Coming up on the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast, what effect does turmoil in the Ukraine have in Indiana? The state launches a new tourism campaign. We spotlight edible Father's Day gifts. IU targets the nursing shortage. We take you inside the Ivy Tech Academy. Indiana continues to prepare for the NBA All-Star Game. How can the Indy Airport become more competitive? And our insiders take on the week's top stories. Welcome to the Inside Indiana Business Television Podcast. I'm Andy Ober. Combat halfway around the globe can have ripple effects here in Indiana. Kip Tom, former U.S. ambassador to the U.S. agencies for food and agriculture, says the war in the Ukraine could have a big impact on Indiana farmers, jobs, and investments. He talked about it with Inside Indiana Business host Gary Dick. When I look at the, what's going on in the war in Ukraine right now, you know we know it's disastrous for the people there. Nearly six million have migrated out of the country into Eastern Europe. We have another seven million that are internally displaced within uh, uh, Ukraine, and we have another 47 million that are on the edge of hunger across Africa because we are unable to get the wheat supplies to them. And that's where the private sector has been working hard to try to open up some channels to get uh, grain into meeting some of those uh, uh, hungry people across Africa. It's to the point where we're actually, or the World Food Program is deciding who gets to eat and who doesn't right now. Wow. As you look at it, uh, Kip, and I know you're very uh, involved and engaged in this on a daily basis, but as you look at the short-term and long-term implications uh, for the food supply chain uh, and the economy in particular here in Indiana, as you look at it and where it's headed, how significant, how, uh, how substantial could this be? Well, I think as we look around the corner, we know that uh, agriculture is very dependent upon fertilizer. It is a major building block to produce foods. And I think you can look back uh, at the world charts and, and see that uh, when nitrogen production began, that's when the human population started to expand. And uh, there is no question we need to bring some of these supply chains back to the United States and certainly like to bring some back to Indiana. Okay, that's the point I wanted to make because you firmly believe that Indiana can play a role uh, in connection with the uh, the private sector, perhaps, but can play a role in these solutions. How, how so? Give give us some examples. Yeah, I'll give you an example. An example would be that if we look at. For instance, nitrogen production, nearly a third of the world's nitrogen uh, that is exported comes out of Russia. Belarus is a producer of uh, potassium. Uh, those products uh, we could get out of Canada. We can get uh, nitrogen production start here in the United States and hopefully here in Indiana, whether on the north coast of, or excuse me, on the Michigan coast or yeah. down on uh, the Ohio River. But the reality is we have the potential to do it right here. Well, as you look at what's it going to take to make that happen? Is it engaging? State government, the private sector, all of the above, what's going to take? I think we need to engage everybody. We need to leverage people for like from Corteva. We need to talk to, you know, like the Mitch Frazier's over at Agrinovus and other companies around Indiana and try to go out and do a uh, travel around the world and talk to companies that would want to call Indiana home. I really believe this is an opportunity now for us to move forward, to bring these supply chains back and to create more jobs and uh, grow the economy of Indiana. As you look, and you, again, you're engaged on a daily basis. I know we're fortunate. I think you're back from Kansas City today and headed maybe back out to New York. So you've been traveling a lot uh, and dealing with this uh, issue. But as you look at uh, kind of the long-term implications and where you see things going, so many uncertainties right now, where do you uh, see things going with the conflict and the impact? Well, let's face it. Uh, Russia is never going to be a friend of the United States. China is not going to be a friend of the United States. Uh, 
we need to realize this is a long-term play, and that's why I'm saying we need to bring these these supply chains back to the United States. Uh, you know, there's so many of them, whether it's uh, chemicals coming out of China, we need to work with our regulatory uh, people in Washington, D.C., and make sure we have reasonable regulations that uh, will allow these facilities to come to the United States. You know, so oftentimes we think we're the most durable and reliable ag production food system in the world. But are we really if we don't control the supply chains? We've globalized so much of it over the past 50 years. It's time to look at this and say, do we bring this home to the U.S. or to our friends and allies, people we can count on? That's a point we're at. We need to move now. Certainly a lot of uncertainty uh, out there in the economy in general. But as you look at the ag economy, kind of the state of the ag economy uh, in particular here in Indiana, Kip, what's your take on the state of agriculture? Well, I'd say the ag economy in Indiana is pretty durable. It's pretty strong right now. I think we're going to see good revenues, good returns this year. You know, but uh, what happens if commodity prices turn around and uh, these input prices stay high? Uh, we can cer- certainly turn this around really quick, uh, whether it's the cost of machinery, land, or inputs. They're all high. We're mo- growing the most valuable and the most expensive crop. So it's a lot of risk. And a lot of it from now on out throughout the rest of this year is up to Mother Nature. Yeah, very good. Ambassador Kip, Tom Kip, uh, really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us. Uh, thank you for your leadership, too, in the ag community, not only here in Indiana, but certainly around the globe. And uh, please keep in touch. I'd like to come back and uh, talk to you again and see how things are going. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate the time. All right. Indiana continues its drive for tourism dollars with the In Indiana campaign. The state is looking to cash in on the greatest spectacle in racing and everything else uniquely Hoosier. Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch came on the show with details. A big announcement, uh, certainly uh, at a big place, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, Talk about this new campaign. First of all, the need to do it, because this started well over a year ago and the planning stage had been through a lot of uh, uh, curves and turns and things. Talk about the need for this campaign. Well, Indiana has an incredible quality of life. But as Hoosiers, I always say we're humble, Mm -hmm. and we don't do a very good job of telling our story. Mm -hmm. So we felt post-COVID it was important to talk about the quality of life we had in Indiana and the incredible assets we have and everything that you can enjoy in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And that was the impetus for the actual campaign. Mm -hmm. And you're going to really leverage big events. We see the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that iconic shot right there, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, so many others, uh, academic institutions and others are going to engage with this campaign. That's a key part of it, right? To have these these institutions, organizations, even individuals, communities engage with the uh, In Indiana campaign. Yeah, the, the beauty of In Indiana is it is so simple, but it is so powerful. And it's a unifier, it's inclusive. Anyone can use In Indiana. We can say the news is better. In Indiana, you know, we <laughs> absolutely. Can, <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can do it for anything. Every mm-hmm. restaurant can say, you know, our burgers are better in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so it is all inclusive, and it's something that is free. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost people anything to be able to participate in the campaign. So it's almost like a viral uh, approach to it, you know, to get people to use it, and and that kind of uh, builds a snowball, kind of grassroots snowball effect around the state. Absolutely, I, and. and all the good things that are happening in Indiana, whether they're in our towns and communities or whether they're at our universities, now everybody will know that that is taking place in Indiana. So yeah. it is going to instill pride yeah. and it's going to create that identity of what Indiana is really all about. Yeah. Marketing campaigns for tourism are nice. 
But th there's really a lot at stake, in my opinion, here, because tourism is such a big business in the state of Indiana, you know, billions of dollars uh, at stake here. So this campaign is aimed at getting a bigger, bigger piece of that pie. Absolutely. Uh, tourism contributes right under $10 billion to our mm -hmm. state's economy and supports 208,000 Hoosier jobs. Mm -hmm. And so what we saw as a result of COVID is that tourism and the leisure-related industries really were on the decline. So this is a perfect time to be able to come out with this new identifier mm -hmm. and create and instill that pride and grow that tourism economy for Indiana. Yeah, as you look at, at funding, and I think three plus million dollars from the American Rescue Plan going into this, but traditionally, Indiana has been outspent by its neighbors in tourism, has been underfunded, some would argue. Do you think that's gonna change? Do you think legislators and others are seeing the value of investing in, in tourism? Well, the beauty about this campaign is we'll have metrics in place so that we can re measure the return on investment. And I am optimistic that when we're able to show legislators the return on investment from this particular campaign in Indiana, mm -hmm. we'll be able to make the case for more money in next year's budget mm -hmm. session. Yeah. As you look at uh, rural areas of the state, I'm assuming you, you know, the festivals and so many things that take place around the state of Indiana, those areas especially hit hard by the pandemic and have had some challenging economic times. Do you see this campaign as really benefiting, potentially benefiting the, the, the rural areas and the, the smaller areas around the state? Oh, absolutely, because by using in Indiana, they start to create that identity. So the Strassen Fest, as the governor pointed out, mm -hmm. in Jasper, mm -hmm. The Strassen Fest is great in Indiana. Yeah. The Blueberry Festival is great in Indiana. I mean, you name the festival, you name the fair. How about, and by using how about that, the Little Lily Festival in Clinton, Indiana, my hometown? Is great in <laughs> Indiana. Have to tell them about that. In yeah. Indiana. Yeah. So as we wrap up, uh, Governor, your expectations, I mean, I know you're, you're, you and others are very high on this uh, campaign. How, what, what's going to mark a successful campaign as you look, at, uh, look on down the road? Well, I think as we look down the road, it'll be measured by the amount, the increase in visitors to Indiana, uh, the effect on our economy as a result of that. Uh, and longer term is the amount of students that we can keep in Indiana and then the talent mm -hmm. that we can attract to Indiana yep. by telling our authentic story. Yeah, well, it gets back to talent in so many ways. Indiana Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch in Indiana, the new campaign. Thank you, as always, for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. There are plenty of edible ways to celebrate Father's Day in Indiana. Yelp Director of Community Campaigns Brittany Smith joined us with a rundown of Hoosier entrepreneurs serving up some of the best meat, chicken, and seafood in the state in our Trendiana segment. Father's Day coming up, uh, and you know everyone's always looking for a unique gift. Yeah. And these uh, artisan meats uh, have really kind of come into their own, right? Yeah, definitely. More and more of these butcher shops are creating their own unique sausages, hamburgers. Mm -hmm. It gives you a chance to try something new and support a local business. All right, let's talk about some of these local businesses. One is the Savory Swine, very successful uh, place down in Columbus. Yeah, they've been around for years, a staple right there in the heart of the city. And it's uh, not just a great shop for the butcher or the meats that are fresh in their case, 
taste, but you're also going to find a boutique wine selection. They're known for their charcuterie boards that you can take to go, pick up everything that you might need for a picnic, but folks also love their lunch menu with all their meats on hand. Oh, okay. Uh, here in Indianapolis, Old Major. I know you've got some product yeah. here on the, on the desk, but Old Major. Beautiful sausages. I've had a lot of fun actually visiting them at a lot of local farmers markets, Garfield Park, for example. You can also order them online through Market Wagon and their website, but they make really creative sausages. So you're going to find things like Chinese five-spice uh, duck sausage, where they're using wow. truffles and really mm -hmm. fun ingredients in each of their sausages. Always like each month, uh, Brittany, you give us a statewide flavor, yes. uh, literally, uh, of uh, organization companies. Uh, Acorn Acres is in northwest Indiana in Chesterton. Yeah, since 1969, they've been raising their own meats uh, that you're going to buy at their shop in town. So it's both a farm and the shop. You can actually order them online. And if you're wanting to try something new with your grilling, they've got a new offering. It's called Ethiopian Berber Sausage. It's got a little kick to it. Uh, I'd like to try that out myself, uh -huh. but it's a really fun family-owned business. And, and you mentioned this, 1969, they yes. got it in terms of the sustainable uh, practice uh, game, they yes. kind of ahead of the game. Yeah, using no hormones, no antibiotics, they were definitely ahead of the game. Okay, the smoking goose. That yes. is uh, a name that a lot of people know. They really paved the way for a lot of these other businesses. For sure, they're yeah. celebrating 15 years this year. Wow. You're going to find their products, you know, when you're in Chicago, you might even see it on the menu there. I've, I've stumbled upon it in Italy and uh, throughout uh -huh. the cities. Um, but they are celebrating 15 years this year, and in the Holy Cross neighborhood, you can visit their meat locker. A fun Father's Day gift. They've got a carnivore meat basket filled with salamis, wow. which they're best known for, as well as some other uh, meats in that basket, but also a bacon making class. It's really okay. fun if you want to do something hands-on with that. So you mentioned Holy Cross and they still have, of course, the location there. Fall, to Fall Creek. Creek. Yeah. Can't, yep. Can't beat both those spots. Yeah, good. Okay, final stop, uh, Lebanon, and that's... Uh, St. Adrian. Yeah, St. Right? Adrian, right there off the square in Lebanon. Um, they are making all of their meats in-house right there at that location. They're known for their sausages as well as the burger mixes. They get really mm -hmm. creative with it using blue cheeses or they've got like a poblano and cheeseburger so you can try something new. Yeah. They also have over 50 different types of sausages on rotation. Folks really love in the Yelp reviews the filet kebabs. They're made to order top of the line meat. I'm eyeing them right here. Yeah, and I can tell you I'm, I'm smelling it too. The smell yes. is, is really great. Uh, Brittany, you don't need to go through every one, but do they all offer online ordering? Do you um, have to go about in? About half of them. Yeah, half mm -hmm. of them offer. And it, it's like if you can't get it delivered through them, mm -hmm. um, actually like Smoking Goose, for example, Old Major, you can get it shipped to you. You can order ahead, swing by for quick pickup. Uh, businesses are getting more creative with their e-commerce. And sure. you mentioned businesses and each and every month, I think you need to underscore these are businesses. These are entrepreneurs oh, who sure. are out there putting it on the line each and every day. Right? Yes, definitely. And getting folks to think not just going to your local grocery store. Some of these you can actually find at the grocery stores, but thinking about how can I buy my meat locally? How can I buy my cheese yeah. locally? And uh, think about that. Artisan Meats. I uh, hope my kids are taking notes. Uh, we've got <laughs> some great, so for you. great opportunities. <laughs> Brittany Smith, as always, great to have Thanks you. Thanks so much, Gary. All right. One of the biggest challenges in healthcare today is the nursing shortage. The IU School of Nursing is looking to be part of the solution. Dean Robin Newhouse spoke with Kylie Valletta in the business of health. All right, let's talk about the shortage. We established that exists, but why is it such a serious problem that we should all care about? Well, it's a serious problem because it's not only an economic problem, it's a clinical problem and it's a health problem. The urgent need for nurses makes us concerned that people won't get the care that they need. Nursing in particular, one of the largest clinical professions, has a profound role to improve the health of the population. Nurses uh, themselves are trained in a lot of different ways. They work in multiple settings. The outcomes associated with nursing are um, 
important and promote health. So let me just start by saying what nurses do. Nurses prevent injury, they promote health, they diagnose and treat the human response to different phenomena, pain. The outcomes that are associated with nurses are related to clinical outcomes like I mentioned, pain management, also decrease uh, infections, nosocomial or hospital-acquired infections, falls, as well as patient experience. Uh, nursing has a role in patient experience that increases satisfaction by patients as well. In addition, length of stay uh, is lower, as well as um, the return to the hospital or readmission to the hospital. So nursing is important for a number of ways. In fact, I th one of the issues, uh, nursing is so important, uh, the Bureau of Health Professions are predicting that nursing is going to be one of the most important jobs for growth and uh, because of the need for nurses. So I know that we don't like to focus on the numbers a lot in these stories because you say, you know, nurses aren't numbers. They're not widgets. And I know you're very passionate about that. So I think we do want to talk about, though, IU being unique in the sense that it provides a full spectrum of nurses and the way that it trains nurses, everything from beginner nurses on. Can you explain that just a little bit? Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. The nurses, when we talk about entry-level nurses, so all the discussion about we need more nurses, people are talking about entry-level nurses. They're generally at the associate degree level or the baccalaureate level. So Indiana University offers a baccalaureate level, uh, a associate degree nurse and a baccalaureate nurse will sit for their licensing exam at the end of their program. Indiana University also includes a set of graduate programs and tracks as well. At the graduate level, a master's in nursing, we have five nurse practitioner tracks. Nurse practitioners are those clinicians that work in primary care or acute care that diagnose and treat people. Uh, this is an opportunity for us across the state to employ nurse practitioners. You know, we have counties that don't have enough health care clinicians and providers, and nurse practitioners are a solution to that. In addition, we train clinical nurse specialists who are also known for the ability to manage populations of people and improve outcomes, reducing the cost of care as well. Okay. Nurse practitioner, the, the quality, safety, and effectiveness of nurse practitioners are undeniable. I know there's so, a need for all of those nurses right now with a shortage. I'm so sorry, but we're already out of time. I know there's also some expansion happening on IUPUI campus because of this money from IU Health. So good luck with that and keep us posted on those numbers. Thank you. Remember, you can catch Inside Indiana Business Television on stations throughout the state every weekend. Head to InsideIndianaBusiness.com to check listings. Ivy Tech Community College's campus in Warsaw is partnering with Whitco Community Schools to launch the Ivy Tech Academy. It will offer high school students a dedicated space to attend virtual college classes during the school day. Ivy Tech Warsaw Vice Chancellor Alan Decker joined us in our Ion Education segment. Let's talk about uh, the Ivy Tech Academy because this offers high school students, in this case uh, in Whitco, a junior senior high school, the opportunity to earn an entire year of college credits uh, by the time they graduate from high school. That's not necessarily new. The new aspect here is they can do it virtually. Tell us about the academy. Right. Well, um, Whitco has a new superintendent, uh, Tim Provarnik, and he's very visionary and he 
really wanted to be able to put WITCO on the map in terms of being able to attract new students to, into the school system. Being rural and, and kind of far away from some of the other universities, he wanted to pursue this opportunity. And so we talked and um, envisioned together. Uh, we did a site visit. We asked how we could help. And very quickly, this came together. And so they'll be converting a, a former library space this summer. And we've donated some funds to be able to purchase uh, monitors and audio sets and so that students can come and go throughout the school day, take an Ivy Tech course or two uh, to be able to finish, hopefully, a credential, maybe even, hopefully, the Indiana College Core, which is that 30-credit-hour core of first-year college courses, and then to be able to transfer to their university of choice as a sophomore. What, what does it, as you, as you look at it, because a lot of these classes are liberal arts uh, and related uh, classes here, but the, the opportunity to come out of high school with a full year of college under your belt, there's a cost savings, uh, time savings, there are a lot of, a lot of benefits to, to having that uh, be the case. Right, not only time and money savings, but just readiness, uh, mm -hmm. that much more prepared for the rigor of college life. You know, a, a dual credit course or a dual enrollment course, is college material. It's what we teach all of our other students. There is no diluted content. And so when a high school student can get a jump on that kind of academic rigor and understand the ropes and what it, what's required to really complete on time and to do college level work, they're just that much more bound to be successful when they go off to, to college. Yeah, I know the Ivy Tech Academy there uh, in Warsaw really uh, geared toward the, the rural areas there. T give us maybe a typical day of a student uh, utilizing and taking advantage of the Ivy Tech Academy, how, how that would work, the balance between the high school work and the, the college work. Sure. Well, you know, as a freshman or sophomore, their days are pretty full. Um, they've got a, a pretty full slate of courses. But by the time they're getting to their junior year and especially to their senior year, there are a lot of other gaps of time because maybe they've worked ahead and they've completed that high school curriculum. And so they've got room in their day to be able to do other supplemental things. Many students choose to go off campus and do internships or other kind of supervised activities. But we think those open blocks of time would be perfect opportunity for them to take a virtual or online course at Ivy Tech, especially online, because that can be done at any time. That can be fit into their schedule. Virtual is kind of like this, yeah. where uh, via Zoom, they are uh, in a synchronous kind of situation, but uh, online is really super flexible. Yeah, and also uh, no doubt helping the talent pipeline, which is so uh, important indeed. The Ivy Tech Academy, a new partnership with Whitco Junior Senior High School uh, in northern Indiana. Alan Decker, vice chancellor at Ivy Tech Warsaw. Alan, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. The report is in from Cleveland on the 2022 NBA All-Star Game and it bodes well for Indianapolis, which hosts the event in 2024. Pacer Sports and Entertainment President Mel Raines updated the city's preparations with Bill Benner on Inside Indiana Sports. These are big numbers that, uh, coming out of uh, the Cleveland game last February, $141 million in overall economic or direct spending, $250 million in overall economic impact, and we can only hope that Indianapolis will do is much better than that. Yeah, we certainly do. I mean, those were astounding numbers coming out of Cleveland, especially considering we were really coming out of COVID at that point. So it wasn't a truly normal all-star weekend and they did have to amend some of what they were planning to do. And so we are more excited than ever uh, to host in 2024 when we saw those numbers and we saw the impact, especially the global impact of what the all-star game uh, reaches 215 countries. Uh, they had 223 million Instagram views 
that weekend. Um, and that's just a level of global impact we don't usually see from some of the events we host here. Yeah, the internationalists, that's something that I didn't even consider, uh, but they had 121,000 actual visitors from 45 states and 20 countries. So that's truly uh, remarkable. It is. I mean, bas basketball is a global sport and it is played all over the world. The Basketball Africa League started uh, in 2021. And it's just um, it, it, we just have fans. You know, we have a lot of fans, as you know, even in the Philippines. Um, I think we have a million people who follow us uh, on social media in the Philippines. So uh, we played in India a couple of years ago. And we um, so that impact for the kinds of sports we usually do here have such a huge impact in our country, but this is kind of next level for us. And one of the benefits, if there are benefits, and there are benefits of the game being postponed that we were supposed to have uh, a year ago, uh, the phase three of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I almost did it, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, all those, uh, all those renovations and the plaza, all that will be uh, complete for our visitors. Yeah, it was one of the many silver linings, I think, from uh, COVID is that we'll be completely done with the project. So we'll be done this fall with everything inside. And then in the spring, uh, Bicentennial Unity Plaza will open, which we're really excited about. And when we had originally bid on All-Star back in 2017, those weren't even contemplated. So we had not completed the deal with the city to stay for another 25 years. And, and the scope of the project wasn't fully known. And so now to have that in our plans and have the building completely done, will just make the weekend, I think, go much better and, and be smoother for everybody. And Mel, as we wrap up, uh, another bonus of uh, 21 legacy projects now increased to 24. So statewide impact for uh, thousands of youth across the state of Indiana. Yeah, when we knew we had to push the game, we talked to the NBA about uh, making 24 legacy projects instead of 21, which they immediately embraced and wanted to do. And we'll also name another class of 24 rising stars, high school seniors in the class of 24 that will be engaged in All-Star Weekend. And we hope to engage the original class of 21 as well. So hopefully we'll have 45 young people uh, helping us make this a weekend for everybody to remember. Well, Mel Raines, thank you again, leading the uh, 2024 All-Star efforts. Uh, she was intricately involved in taking our Super Bowl to a new level. I know you'll do the same for the All-Star game. Thanks, Mel. Appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Bill. Could Indiana's high-flying tech scene be in for a slowdown? And what is Indianapolis International Airport doing to become more competitive? Our partners at the IBJ are working on those stories and more. News editor Mason King came on the show with details. The tech community, uh, venture capital, uh, has been a pretty good story the last couple of years. A lot of money flowing into the state, but uh, I know there's a story coming up this weekend that that may be about to change. Yeah, 2021, as you know, uh, was a banner year for venture capital. The money that you know, gets invested in early stage companies, help them grow or just even get off the ground. But... Uh, the venture capital companies are letting companies know now that that spigot is going to tighten. And that's for a number of reasons. Uh, the uh, volatile stock market, the war in Ukraine, there's a massive slowdown in the IPO market. So it's possible that uh, we're going to start seeing some layoffs here in Indianapolis. It's something that we've seen uh, already nationally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, time will tell. And so far, the companies that we've spoken with seem to think that they're going to get through this okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting story, too, uh, from Cicero uh, you have this weekend. Uh, talking about horses uh, really uh, coming to the aid of both children and adults with special needs. 
Yeah, our Daniel Bradley has a great story about Agape Therapeutic Writing Resources, which is a not-for-profit organization that has uh, two complexes, one in Cicero, one in Greenfield, and they provide access to animals, especially riding animals, for people who have therapeutic needs, mental health challenges, even the elderly. Uh, and they're able to do this uh, sometimes uh, at no cost or a reduced cost. Mm, interesting. Okay, one more. Indianapolis International Airport, uh, routinely uh, viewed as the best airport in North America, but the competition uh, for flights for routes is very strong. And uh, I know a story this weekend to talk about uh, incentives and how Indianapolis joining some other regional airports in uh, offering incentives. Well, yeah, the Indianapolis Airport Authority is updating its incentive packages so that it will have $5 million to play with over the next two years that can offer carriers in a way, as a way to uh, beckon them or to uh, attract them to Indianapolis to create new non-SAP routes. Really, uh, the big fish here are the international routes. Mm-hmm. The airport authority would love to have that Paris route back. They're also looking at London. Very good. Just a few of the stories in this weekend's IB Journal will be chock full of some great stories. Mason King, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And finally this week, our insiders take on the top business stories in the state. This week's panel includes KSM Consulting Business Development Executive Bruce Kidd, Beck Communications Group President Lara Beck, and IndiePolitics.org publisher Abdul Hakim Shabazz. Breaking news, if you will, late in the week, uh, Governor Holcomb, a lot of people saying, hey, you got to spend some of that surplus, announced plans to take a billion dollars out of the surplus and essentially rebate, refund to taxpayers, giving them about 225 bucks Good idea. It's going to make a difference. Um, I think. I think at the end of the day, it'll make a difference in the in the short run because they'll put more money in Hoosiers' pockets. They could go put back in their in their gas tanks. Also, I think what the governor did was very responsible. They waited until they had the revenue forecast to come out to say like, how much money we we're going to have, how much money can we do this responsibly, give money back, and still meet all our commitments, just like roads and bridges mm-hmm. and infrastructure. And so, as my good friend Laura would say, cutting the gas tax is good policy, is good politics, but is bad public policy. Oh, he just likes to put words in my mouth. Um, Abdul does. I mean, I I think it's definitely time to do this. People have been calling for it. Um, we are hearing about folks who are really struggling with the with the gas tax, and the gas issues are a global issue as well. But um, I, you know, I just think back to when Governor O'Bannon did this, and and so Governor Holcomb can't steal. Thanks a billion. Governor. That's what he had. He had a little bumper sticker. So yeah, it makes sense. It really does at this point in time. It seems to me it's an indication of our fiscal. Um, position yeah. versus most states that we can even do this. We got the money to do it. Yeah, yeah. two hundred twenty-five bucks. How many fill-ups will that get us? Uh, get me four or five. Four or five. But I don't drive much anymore. I work at home. Okay, good, good. Um, big news this week, too, the tourism industry in Indiana. It's a $10 billion uh, industry. After a year plus of work and planning uh, a new uh, marketing uh, campaign, a slogan, if you will, in Indiana is the new uh, slogan. Uh, interesting concept. Uh, they're going to really connect with a lot of institutions, be it uh, businesses, academic institutions, communities, festivals around the state. Laura, as you look at the, first of all, the, the spots that they, uh, they unveiled and also the name the in Indiana, uh, do you like it? I, I do. I mean, I think anyone can poke fun at any slogan. I right. mean, remember Wander Indiana, right? So, I mean, that can happen. But I, 
I think from a large strategic standpoint, what they're doing is they're giving a really helpful resource to communities, municipalities, and others who may not have the financial resources to implement those campaigns on their own. So they're really, I think, giving a boost to them and doing it in a cohesive way is really important. Mm-hmm. What, I also, what I also like is that the company that did this mm-hmm. is based here in Indiana. Yeah, um, So yep. Yeah, so mm-hmm. often um, business and community leaders think they need to go outside of the state, um, and they don't. That talent is right here. Yeah, and Laura, Laura brings up a, a good point, is that th- this is free for these communities and stuff to, to tag on and to put this as part of their marketing campaigns. But bigger picture, Indiana has woefully underfunded tourism marketing for years. Do you think that's going to change? Are they going to get more more money uh, from the legislature to help fund these kinds of initiatives? Um, I think they will. And also the one thing I like about this program in particular is, unlike the you know, Restart Your Engines, which was mm-hmm. a, few, a few years ago, uh, this you can basically use anywhere for anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's universal. So whether it's like you know, in Indiana, in Fort Wayne, Evansville, uh, yeah. Richmond, mm-hmm. it, it fits. Yeah. yeah, definitely more so even than a state that works. That's not something that folks could have used in, a, in and outside of, right. I mean, really outside of economic development. The more people we bring into the state, the better. Yeah. Um, and this is a vehicle for those smaller communities. Uh, everybody knows the Indy 500, but not everybody knows Brown County mm-hmm. right. or mm-hmm. Bremen or uh, wherever else that, yeah. you know, that hasn't had the opportunity to get the word out. This helps them do that. Yeah. Speaking of smaller communities, rural communities around the state of Indiana, uh, news this week that Grace College in northern Indiana uh, beginning planning for a new agriculture center uh, in, in Bruce, I thought... Um, it's interesting because a number of schools are really beginning to implement ag programs. Huntington uh, uh, College in North, uh, Northeast Indiana, yeah. among them, have had real success in, in uh, generating uh, ag graduates, a part of uh, you know, feeding that pipeline. Yeah. Well, I, Laura and I were talking earlier, you know, the huge component of our economy, the ag, the ag business economy. But those are, those are family businesses. They're businesses. Yes, um, right. And you have to train the next generation to lead those businesses rather than just work on mm-hmm. them or, or in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a great initiative to train the next leaders of all these family farms that we want to keep around. It's, it's billions of dollars of impact. Yeah, and interesting, too, if you talk to Agrinovas, they will tell you the number of jobs in the ag space, the ag bioscience space, runs the gamut from mm-hmm. marketing to you name it, uh, all under the ag umbrella. So there are all kinds of careers yeah. that are out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, what is it? It's, it contributes $32 billion to our, to our state's economy. Um, and the same time, what I like about it is not all kids are big school kids. No offense to our large Indiana institutions. So this is a great way for them to really dig into those careers and get really some intense one-on-one attention. Yep. Yep. Uh, Abdul, we talk a lot about the talent pipeline across all industries, manufacturing, you name it. Can this, you know, Purdue obviously is world-class in the ag space and has been for many decades, will continue to be so. But can these smaller universities, colleges and universities make a difference in... in, I think so, because for one reason, you won't you no longer have to go to Purdue to get your ag degree if you're right. you know, at Grace or at Huntington. You can actually sort of stay, mm-hmm. stay local, which I think is a, is a major deal. And also, like you said, it's, it's building that pipeline, and you've got to go meet people where, yeah. where they are. And I think this is one of those ways to do that. Yeah. Also, uh, some news. been some big economic development announcements in recent weeks. Stellantis up in Kokomo, Lilly uh, in Lebanon. Walmart announcing or confirming plans for a major distribution center uh, out uh, out east and uh, a thousand jobs in McCordsville mm-hmm. and Laura we were talking before we went on that's a community a lot of growth out yeah. there 
and the new uh, economic development director uh, yeah. comes from Fishers and Speedway. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I think it's really interesting to see how that area is popping. You know, Bruce and I were talking about he's got a lot of folks he knows even who have moved out there. That area is just primed for growth. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Tanya Galbraith, who's been there as the town manager, mm-hmm. is retired. They've got a really active, engaged council. Their new town manager is Tim Gropp coming from Speedway. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're really poised, I think, uh, to move in a great direction. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. And, and a thousand jobs is fantastic. Yeah. We got to be able to fill them, but the opportunity to the do jobs, that's really good. For, Bruce, final word to you on McCordsville in terms of a planning, from a planning standpoint, you have all that growth. You have residential growth. You have Walmart with a thousand jobs, other companies. Planning for that is, is, a, is a challenge. It is a challenge. And you have to have a well thought out plan to support not only the Walmart yeah. with other suppliers and vendors, but then the residential and other beyond that. It can you can grow out of control, mm-hmm. and that's why someone like Tim would be helpful to help yeah. them plan that out thoroughly. Very good, Bruce yeah. Kidd, Laura Beck, Abdul Hakim Shabazz. Thank you, yeah. one and all. Thank you. That wraps up this week's Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Remember, you can find all of this week's TV segments as well as the top business news from throughout the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe to our platform of free e-newsletters. This is Andy Ober for Inside Indiana Business.